0: Alrighty, well, g'day everyone. Fonzie here with
1: the guru of Warriors podcasting, Will Evans from This Warrior's Life. How are you, Will? Yeah, good, mate. I'd uh, probably bestow that title upon you, Fonzie, but um, good to see you, mate, and good to hear that uh, baritone of yours once again. It's been a few months, doesn't feel like it, but uh, yeah, we're a long way through the off-season now, mate. How uh, How's it been treating you? been good mate it's been good I've been getting a few
0: four-letter words that aren't guru I can tell you that but um (laughs) but uh, no things are great mate it's been a strange old year I'm sure for yourself and everyone with all of the COVID stuff and you know that last chat we had was just some beers in the middle of COVID to um, pretend we could go down to the pub we probably could pretend we could go down to the pub and talk to our mates about the Warriors and that was good times and um yeah coming up to Chrissy. Looking for uh, a good break and um,
1: roll into next year, hopefully a better year and a better year for the Warriors, eh? For sure, mate. I think when we last spoke, our South Islanders maybe just come out of level three, so we were basically uh, free. It's been pretty much business as usual um, outside of or south of Auckland, really. So we've been pretty lucky and I'm sure you are sort of indulging in a few of the New South Wales freedoms now, are you, mate? Or is it, what is the what's it like over there? Yeah, it's the pretty. It's pretty back to normal.
0: Um, we still have restrictions on the number of people in indoor venues and masks. Yeah. Masks are still required indoors, uh, but it's getting more and more casual. I think by the day. I think next week, we we the requirement to wear masks goes away in most situations as well. So we'll be pretty much, I would say, by Christmas, back to normal here. And you can sort of feel that. Everyone feels more normal. People are starting to now, you know, those WhatsApp groups that used to ping and yep. say, hey, we're going out, we're going. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> those groups have started pinging again. So, yeah, there's a bit oh, going definitely. on. It, it, it's much, much more sort of normal.
1: Now, Brad sends his apologies. Um, he is racing the clock before Christmas to get his uh, his palace his palace finished. Um, I, I think he's putting carpets down today, so he is, and he's got a deadline of next Friday to move in. So uh, he's just oh. about there, um, and I'm sure he'll be keen to to rejoin us as soon as he's done with all that. But yeah, I, I caught up with Brad a couple of months ago at uh, at my fortieth, which was wonderful. We hadn't seen him for a good eighteen months or so, and, and he was in uh, top form. Actually, walked <laughs> walked straight into a. Um, straight into a full length window or sliding door window. that uh, that's a highlight of most people's night. So um
0: fantastic.
1: You know, he's still got it. He's he's not only um you know witty, he's a physical comedian as well. Um <laughs> but he he did have one question and you know we obviously like to talk about music and, and uh and pick your brain about the sort of music that, that gets Fonzie going. Um any as we approach Christmas, any um Christmas song favourites for you, Fonz?
0: I've got absolutely nothing on that. Look, I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit of a Grinch. So my wife absolutely loves Christmas. It's <laughs> the decorations and this and that, and I'm up on the roof putting up lights and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm, yeah, I, I, I just, I struggle, mate, with it. I I probably am sticking my earpods in to listen to my normal <laughs> music while the Christmas carols are running around in the background all through that week,
1: I would say. Yeah, good
0: cool. call, mate. What about yourself, mate? You got you got some uh, some
1: prog rock Christmas theme sort of. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm a little bit of a uh, bang, you know, slightly snobbish when it comes to music. I'm I'm not a fan of your your general Christmas carols, it's, Aside from Snoopy's Christmas, that's always a good uh, you know yep. childhood one. Uh, but other than that, you know, Pogues' Fairy Tale in New York, Pretenders' Two Thousand Miles, uh, the John Lennon one. That's that's about all I can handle, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So, no, nothing there. Did, did that question um, – does Brad have an answer to that question, by the way?
1: Uh, no, he didn't. We'll have to uh, get him to reply in the comments to um, when we post the, the pod. I'm yeah, sure he's got some um, curious answers to that one, being, the, being as eclectic as he is. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's right, actually. Uh, all right. Well, how are we going to tackle this? I, I put out a call for questions. Um, on Twitter and on the NZ Warriors forum and foolishly I did it the day before the episode instead of two hours before like last time and so we ended up with a thousand questions
1: and yeah, so I really appreciate the feedback but I'm not sure we can handle the volume for yeah us. that's
0: the thing and and so um, yeah it is cool that people cared enough to ask um, but it's totally thrown my carefully crafted structure <laughs> for this episode uh, out of whack so I would suggest maybe we do just dive into the questions and come back to the sort of mop up at the end with things we might not have got to if we yeah that sounds yeah all right fantastic start Start with Twitter yeah Um, okay so I am stalling while I search for it but let's start with the. Um, actually, there's a topic we didn't get a question about, which was Wade Egan's <laughs> extension. Um, <laughs> the Warriors fan bases, like, oh, what else? Um, <laughs> but but we did get some questions about recruitment and retention more generally. So um, I'll look for the specific questions as we go. But why don't we start there with the Egan and CHT issues, and then sort of expand out of that
1: yeah absolutely well the two most polarizing players I would say on the roster um at the moment yeah um, geez i I do really find it hard to to grasp the um amount of cht haters out there um mm-hmm. i don't I don't have a problem with the way the Warriors have gone about it it's not it's not quite like the Johnson scenario where they've allowed them to test the market or haven't um you know didn't try and stitch' them up before the before the November one cut off or whatever it was, um, and obviously he's, you know he's, he's reasonably unproven still has had an injury at interrupted start to his NRL career, and now they have offered him a deal. So, you know, I, I think it's it's worked out well. Hopefully, personally, I hope he does um, re-sign, and hopefully, we'll see a good season from him. But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts there? How do you think it's gonna? Do you think he'll end up staying with us, or how do you see it? Um, oh. Going down with the, especially with Luke Metcalf coming on board? Yeah, well, it's interesting
0: that you know they had the same position on Egan and CHT back in uh, October before O'Sullivan left, and then they reversed that position late in November and offered them both deals pretty much at exactly the same time, according to the media. And Egan basically did a deal within a week or two. And CHT has not, right? So there's a different um, response, let's say, from CHT versus Egan at the moment. And if you look at our hooker stocks going forward, so Autokolo's coming through, but realistically he's like a 2023 prospect in terms of hitting his straps. And so um, he's not an immediate sort of threat to Egan, I would say. And also, uh, I I mean, I think you just do want to carry a couple of hookers in your squad, like an... I think the way the game's going, rotating your hooker makes a lot more sense. And at the moment, according to Karima, probably going to do that rotation um, thing with Egan. But he's gone almost certainly at the end of next year. So I can sort of see Egan looking at it saying, um, you know, I'll back myself to be the starting hooker even when Autokolo comes through. But even if that's not the case, I'm going to be part of a rotation. I'm going to be playing first grade. It sort of makes sense. Whereas for CHT, um, so SJ's there next year the year after metcalf's definitely landing in 23 and he's gonna you'd think play first grade yeah and so there's an issue there for him like because you you don't rotate your your five eights right so he he might find himself in a place where he's not playing first grade in 2023
1: so So he might find himself in a place where he's not playing first grade in 2022 with ash taylor training and trialing um you know cody is still there he's he's not completely out of the picture uh, so it is it's a much more tenuous situation for for Chanel. Um, yeah, you know the the Egan being um, off contract then the next year certainly got a lot less um, a lot less play than than CHT did in the media that yeah. um, you know before they got offered deals. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one the Chanel thing. Probably one of the more interesting storylines contract wise until he does sign or or choose not to. Um, yeah, well, I do you think, still see him as a future as a as a future six or seven for
0: us? So I, I think he's a first grader, like he's a first yep. grade half. I think the thing that's hard is that SJ these days is you're organising seven, not your wide running six, right? I think that's pretty yep. clear. So CHT's been shaped from whatever he was when he came through the grades, and probably the answer to that was a bit underdeveloped generally. Um, yep. He's been being shaped towards being an organising seven. Right? That, that's what they were doing with him. And that's how he was playing next to Cody this year. And so if SJ's in that spot, and like you said, Ash Taylor's more that player, I think, although I not, don't not know a huge amount about Ash Taylor because haven't watched him all that carefully. But, yeah, I've seen him play. So then we, we seem to have quite a few organising sevens. And then if Metcalf's coming in as the wide-running six, and that's sort of the plan... Um, running off SJ. If you sort of look at it and go, how would Brownie play those halves? Like, what style of play would you have if you're building to that SJ Metcalf combination? Yeah. Well, you, you'd play the organising seven, the wide running six. So, can Chanel play that next year to partner SJ? I don't think so.
1: Right, like he's not a wide running six. Yeah, he he's doesn't probably a you know a few yards um, slower than, or well, even SJ now. Yeah. yeah, definitely than Cody, definitely than Metcalf. He's not your sort of line-breaking half. Um, he's not a huge tri guy either. Um, so you, you can see, you know, the sort of um, average Warriors fan sort of frustration with Chanel, yeah. I guess. They don't see uh, the subtleties in, in the game, that in his game, that people like you and and, um, and old Jason, you know, pick up um, and unpick so well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like I mean, I like that combination with SJ next year because I still think that the Johnson is a game breaker. Even though he's not the game breaker he was in 2015, he still, you know, has the ability to to bust the game wide open. Um, and I think that him and Chanel can be a really nice combination next year. But it just does it does depend on what they're working for for 2023 with Metcalf coming in. And and obviously, it's not a given that Sean's just going to retire. Um, after these two years as well, there's a chance that he could continue on beyond 2023.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be taking that bet though. I think his yeah. his
1: body his yeah, body will do well so. to
0: hold. But yeah, he could do a Benji Marshall type role for sure. You know that Yeah, sort of... you never
1: know. I mean, Benji had his uh, injury problems during uh, in the middle of his career too. And um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it is not a given that you know Shaun Way well, is 31 now, but. You know, not not a guarantee that it's all over for him at the end of this deal that he's about to start.
0: But see, what I reckon's hard for Browning is that if he's going to run with SJ and CHT next year, or SJ and Ash Taylor for that matter, right, yeah. I'd be playing those halves left and right. Like, there's no yeah. use having one of those guys sort of generally sitting wider than the other both sides, right? Yeah. So I'd be playing um, SJ and CHT either side in reasonably tight, and I'd be making Walsh second receiver both sides. Yeah, 100%. And, and really opening Walsh up, like give him genuine sort of ball-playing responsibility both sides of the ruck. But that's not how you'd play if the three blokes you've got is SJ, Metcalf, and Walsh.
1: Yeah.
0: And part of the problem we have with the Warriors, we're always chopping and changing halves, is that you kind of got to – ideally, you'd pick the style of um, – or the system you're going to have around your halves and run it for a couple of years so these guys can get used to it. Yeah. And, and you'd, you'd have to change the system, I think, for a SJ Metcalf combo versus an SJ CHT combo. So I, I think that's a real problem for Browning at the moment where he can't sort of build into 2023 um, in the right way if there is halves. Uh, but on the other hand, he can't play the way he played with, with Metcalf. So I think... At the moment, and this has come up in a few questions, so I'll sort of skip to it a little bit. Um, we've got twenty-seven players committed to the top thirty for next year, out of the you know, out of thirty. Um Ash Taylor, I think, is pretty much guaranteed to take the twenty eighth spot. Yeah. So that leaves two gaps. So there's two blokes we've signed for twenty twenty three who are not yet in that top thirty, being Metcalf and Yokore. I think Metcalf will end up here um, by the time we run out next year. Because, yeah, I, I think he will. I don't think Nicotteri will, but I think Metcalf will.
1: Well, the Sharks are, as much as they've said they don't want to let him go, they've got Braden Trindle, Moylan, and uh, Will Kennedy is pretty much uh, cemented at the back there. So Moylan is a six now. And do they have another couple of options there? Um, you know, Metcalf might be, you'd think. It's in his interest to try and push, you know, for an early release.
0: Absolutely. And the Sharks, yeah, they probably don't at the moment have another option that's as good as Metcalf. But if I'm there and I'm looking at it, I mean, he's only played one of his first-grade first games or something, right? So, like, is it, it's not as though you've got a guy sitting there as experienced cover. You've no, got, exactly, yeah. So you may as well go and find the next one. Like, go and, go and pick the next guy out of cup or whatever that you think can be your player for three years and um, let, let Metcalf go. Don't don't hog the spot. and You know, if we have to throw him a, a few bucks to make it happen. I reckon that will happen. It just sort of feels like that would make sense. Like, the Nukoro one's different where Power have got him on unders and he's a proven player. So why would you let him go? You
1: know, I don't yeah, understand. it he could be a key man for them next year. He will be. And- yeah. The way they're hemorrhaging players, that they they're not going to want to start letting anyone go early. Um, you would think.
0: So I wonder if CHT sort of sitting there, circling it back, going, "Well, I want to see if Metcalf really is coming next year or not."
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Of, and I think I think that the um, the NRL market generally does does value them. Um I, I really think Chanel deserves a a shot alongside a, a seasoned half. He, he came in um, alongside Green, who who had just uh, started to figure out his severe limitations. Then he was with Cody and he's had his injuries and, you know, he's, he's also played a fair bit alongside Sean O'Sullivan. He hasn't really played alongside a, a real gun um, NRL half and, you know, really could take him to the next level. So, but yeah, again, it is really... A difficult situation to juggle with Metcalf coming next year or the year after.
0: Yeah, if I was CHT, I'd be taking unders to go to Souths. That seven spots just freed up. You're playing inside yeah. Cody Walker, good backline, you know, good pack. Yeah, but,
1: yeah that'd, that,
0: that'd be perfect for him. Like seriously, yeah. dude. If we don't, if if you're gonna go, go there.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he will have options, but yeah, intriguing. We'll obviously be uh, debating that for many months. I would
0: say so. All right, so um, I'm just going to scroll
1: here through questions. Have you got it up? Or Yeah, I do. I thought I'd let you uh, read them out. Okay. But, um, so Anton Pozza, old yeah. Pozza, uh,
0: has said, and this is going to be in reverse order a bit, by the way, I think, if you could bring any former Warriors player from any era into the 2022 team, which one would it be and why? His would be Clinton Thorpe. Obviously once the strike center out there.
1: Yeah, I like, I like that uh one from Anton, uh the torpy selection. Um I had a bit of a think about this. My one of the first that came to mind was PJ Marsh. I don't want to Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't want to um ignite any uh Egan, yeah. Egan yet, but uh, you know, the PJ probably our greatest well, close to our greatest hooker as far as what he offered when he was you Know per square inch of game time, um, but what the one that I came to and it because it is such an area of weakness that that really bugs me is the centres. And I have uh, gone with Brent Tate, um, you know, just a genuine I mean, torpedo would be fantastic. I think Tate was a, a better player overall, um, yeah, and we would see plenty of Tate's best despite some injuries when he was at Warriors. I think it'd be perfect. We've got uh Brent Tate light at the moment with you and Aiken.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's a bit harsh on Tatey, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, actually. I haven't thought about any of these questions, by the way. I haven't had time, so I'm, I'm covered in cold. So, I mean, obviously you'd love to have Stacey Jones out there, but um, these days SJ and Stacey are more similar players than they were, and that's not the right combo. So you probably wouldn't say Stacey. You'd think with Fenua Blake and Lodge... And the others, you don't need a prop, do you? Um, back row's pretty stacked as well, really. Like you got quite quite a bit there. Um, mm. Yeah, so you probably are looking at a centre. I'm, I'm I'm liking the Torby. I mean, Torby had a couple of great seasons. Like he wasn't. Yeah. I don't think the most consistent performer. Whereas Tate's sort of genuine class, more reliable. You know, would really make a difference out the back of the shape we've got. So I don't mind your pick either. I'm, I'm probably going to go with you, Poser. I, I'd go Torpy. I reckon he's that kind of...
1: Um, game breaker, try scorer.
0: Yeah, yeah, game breaker, try scorer. Um, forget about the system. Give me the ball, I'm going over. You know, yeah. that, that kind of player. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. And maybe maybe a winger as well, like a strike winger. It's probably not... You probably can't say Manu or <laughs> can you?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it'd around that one too. But yeah. um, that is the type of player they could really do with someone that's going to get you a try game.
0: Yeah, one where when teams want to jam in on you they're too scared to cuz they they know one on one they are in all sorts of trouble out wide if if that happens, you know, something like that.
1: 2018 Futsal Tour wouldn't be bad actually, with, especially with this Jake on there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He'd be he he'd be fantastic. At pity that no longer exists as far as I can tell. Yeah. All right, so here's the next one. Oh, jeez, this, is, this, is, this will be quick. Will the statue of Ed Cossey at Mount Smart be unveiled before 2030 or after? <laughs> I think this, this a, one's for you, Will. Is
1: this a real question? I didn't see this. No, 100%.
0: Look. <clears throat> no, okay.
1: Oh, man. It's legit.
0: Um, okay. This is from Anonymous. <laughs>
1: I'm going to – I've got to – I'm really going to try not to give him too much of a hard time until he takes the field and has another um, meltdown like he did against the Dragons. But, yeah, if, honestly, from what I saw, if he plays um, first grade again, he's either had a massive form spike or we're in deep trouble. So, yeah, uh, forget about statues. You'll be lucky to play first grade again. Yeah. I can't believe they extended him just quietly.
0: Look, I mean, I think he is going to play first grade again. I don't think he should, but I think he is. And statues, well, uh, yeah. By the time he gets a statue, there'd probably be about three hundred and something other ones
1: sort of ahead of him. So, if um, he gets a statue, they should chuck the statue out on the wing. It'd probably be more effective. <laughs> or if he gets a statue, then history will look at this podcast and <laughs> and, and, and yeah, judges wiping it. Wiping it from uh, the internet, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got next? We can't talk about egg costs anymore before but, I... Uh, yeah.
0: So, Sean Danks asks, how many do we have in our first-grade roster? Last count was 27. Yeah, correct. So, who fills the other spots? Ash Taylor, Tom Ale, or last-minute pick-up from somewhere else?
1: There doesn't seem to be a lot of noise around players that are still looking for a club. Mm. Does there? I, I can't really least we could warm in, does Jesse Jesse Arthur's is he part of that thirty? He's part of the twenty seven. Yeah, when I, oh, I part checked. of the twenty seven. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Are they upgrading a youngster? Altercolo um, is he's part of the thir- the twenty seven. Yep. Yeah. I take it. There's also just looking at zero tackles list of our. Um, of our yeah. players, yeah, and I'm, I'm just not sure who's you if you've got it in front of you, but there's you know guys that are yet to debut, like Junior Ratova, uh, Pride Peterson, Robati, those sort of guys. Um,
0: yeah, they're in the those two are in the 30, and there's a bunch of guys on development as well who yeah. um, could come up. I mean, my take is there's 27 now, we've got uh, Ash Taylor pretty much a certainty to be 28. I reckon they'll keep a spot for Metcalf open unless it becomes clear he's not coming because I, I reckon it, he probably will. That's 29. And so then, yeah, they, they like to leave the 30th open for a specy, you know, like late in the season, but someone who's not presently expected to be available who becomes available because if you've got a bit of money left, leaving, yeah. and we do, leaving a spot open makes a lot of sense because you can pick up a bargain basically. So...
1: Yeah, I like that idea of keeping the spot open for sure. Uh, so that'd be my guess. And you, you never
0: know. I mean, they might be sitting there too thinking if Nekoto comes across, that could be the other spot. I think Tom Arley, so he's done a, an Achilles or an ACL. I can't remember what it is, but he's got a long-term injury. So he's on the development list. And I think probably with him, they'd be saying or looking at it going, if he comes back from his injury fine and that specky hasn't turned up like that, you know, random player that um, shakes free from the tree and we can pick up, hasn't happened by, say, May, then we'll just upgrade Arley and get him back in. That's probably the fallback if nothing comes through, would be my guess, because he's a first grader. Like, he's a a top 30 player. If we don't put him up to the top 30 and he comes back from injury, someone else will take him. A good club will take him.
1: Well, he should have played a lot more first grade last year while um, Brown was persisting with Kane Evans, who... (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, not longer with the club, which has uh, unfolded since we last spoke. Um, yeah, yeah, and he was shamefully, shamefully
0: treated, Kane Evans.
1: <laughs> <that>. <laughs> oh man, didn't they wipe their hands of him uh, quickly? But so good luck I, to the big fella over in
0: Super League. Yeah, no, I, I always, always a big supporter of his. So now, yeah. Glenn, Glenn Smith has asked. Are the Warriors a genuine shot at the top eight in 22, or will it be another roller coaster season? I think that question's wrong. It'll be both, won't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, seven and eighth is seventh or eighth is definitely realistic, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a roller coaster because, as we've seen in the last couple of years, the seventh and eighth is haven't been the strongest teams going around. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big gap between the uh-huh. top six and the rest. Um, yeah, I definitely think we should be aiming for that seventh and eighth. I'm disappointed that we didn't end up there this year, and we, you know, we could have easily. So, yeah.
0: I yeah. I agree. I I reckon we're top six.
1: Ooh. yeah, I think it's not too far off the mark. Parramatta are a chance of uh, sliding a bit, and
0: yeah, yeah, like we're we aim high. We underperformed this year. I would say mm. uh, we we should have been like where Gold Coast were. This year we're sneaking into the eight and pushing a team in yep. the first round of the semis like they did. That's where yep. I reckon we should have been. All the injuries, the COVID stuff, Roger leaving, all that yep. stuff, you know, put us back a bit. Um, you might say our coach as well had had a, an effect um, compared and to... I contributed, yeah. Um, and so I think we are better than we look this year and, you know, all we need is a fair run of luck next year and we will go better. And then... There's another question later that I remember reading, um, saying, you know, who do we see moving up and down the table next year? So if we look at the teams who, if I'm saying we're going to finish sixth, if we look at the teams who finished ahead of us this year, um, I mean, I think the top four are pretty pretty locked. Um, You know, like I don't see Melbourne, South, uh, Penrith and... The, well, it was Manly actually this year who, who finished fourth, Roosters fifth with their injury yep. run. I, I don't think I can't see those five slipping. Although the Sea Eagles, I mean, it's Travoyevich, right? Um,
1: yeah, they're you know they're only an injury or two away from from sliding back. Time I think the rest of those can handle a bit of an injury crisis. The Roosters did an amazing job despite their injuries. Um, yeah, you'd have to think. Those five, though, and pretty pretty solid up there.
0: And the Eels, like you said, with all the player movement that's going on, it's got to be destabilising I never thought they were that good anyway, to be honest. I just reckon the Eels have had a good bit of continuity under a half-decent coach. And yeah. As com- compared to other teams finishing 7th to 12th who have not had continuity under a half-decent coach is the, is the only difference. I don't think they're
1: fundamentally a better roster or anything like that, the Eels. So, they've got nice, like they've got a good spine um, and, you know, some class front rowers, good outs. Like it's a well-put-together roster, I think. But, yeah, they, yeah. It, they've sort of ridden their luck a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. It's, it's been well put together. It's been thoughtfully done, you know, reasonably coached. But – and Mitch Moses is a very good player. Uh, but yeah. Dylan, Dylan Brown's not really kicked on over there. Um, yeah, Reem Marty had a breakout year, but he's leaving. Uh, yeah, And and then fullback, you've got Gutho, who, you know, like I think he's, he's probably a second tier fullback. Oh, he's really good, don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's not, it doesn't, like I, I the Eels don't scare me as a side. Like I respect them, but they're not, like it's not scary like when you're playing, you know, the Rabbits or Panthers or Storm or something.
1: And when you've got, you know, four or five of their better performed players heading off, definitely, in 12 months' time, it's harder, you know, for them. Like, you need a, you do need that um, togetherness and like Penrith have got right now. Um, yeah. Knowing that so many are going, it, it's really going to be interesting to see if they can stay anywhere near the top. But, um, yeah. But
0: then you've got the Knights, right? So I reckon the Knights, like us, underperform this year and I think they'll go better next year. Um, sort of reap the reap the rewards from the team that Brownie built
1: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Don't get me started for and, of They built a good roster I'll give them that much and, um, They're still trying to It's They're still trying to um, To pull out all Everything he's taught them there I think And that's why they're uh, they've Scraped into seventh two years in a row Despite the strength of their list
0: Yeah I reckon if they go back to their Brownie game plan they'll, they'll come good <laughs> So then the Titans uh, I, I mean I always think the Titans uh, have a low ceiling in terms of that roster where it is now. I don't know that they can squeeze a huge amount more out of that. I, I'd probably see them sliding rather
1: than climbing, but could be wrong there.
0: Um, I,
1: don't know. I thought they showed a bit more backbone. I'm quite high. I'm higher than on the Titans than most. Like, I, I get your point. They definitely need everyone to play at, you know, this year's level and better. But, you know, they've got some. They've got some marquee forwards, uh, probably a bit light in the, the spine, I guess, but Jaden Campbell's yeah. a hell of a talent and, yeah. you know, Brimson going into 5-8 this year could work.
0: Yeah, uh, I, like I reckon, a- I reckon like, my take on them is they've, like you said, invested heavily in their forwards and especially their edges, you know, for feeder and their back row for feeder and Tino and so on, which lends itself to a certain game plan. It's actually quite simple to defend. Like, it's, you know what's coming at you from the Titans. That young fullback threw another dimension in. But he, he, if there's ever a player, I reckon, who was getting by on just having burst into first grade and no one knows what's coming from him, it was him. Like, once you've done homework on him, man, he's like 48 kilos. Like he's, yeah. They'll be able to
1: work him out, I reckon. Um, well, it was it was like Walsh, but he just came along a few weeks later. It was yeah, very similar, trajectory, and yeah.
0: But more limited game. Like, I feel like walsh he you know, yeah. once once you start working Walshy out one way or go another way and you can do more things than than um the Titans pull back. See sharks I don't rate, they're in I don't think they've really strengthened Raiders in free fall, if anything. Um dragons as much as they're a very likable side, I don't think they've, they've really strengthened their <laughs> roster. <laughs> uh, and, and and the rest of them, um, like they, they might improve, they might surge, but I wouldn't put him ahead of us, really. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's a big opportunity for us to climb because we should have finished ahead of, you know, potentially all them those clubs this year. Um, just on the Titans, lastly, um, you know, Justin Holbrook deserves a, a massive amount of credit. I'm very high on him. Um, you know, every club knows that the the best way to go is to um, to sign the the best untried coach that's out there instead of, you know, recycle <laughs> failure. But... um you know, we'll uh, see. See, uh, follow Holbrook's progress with uh, interest. There, good guy too.
0: I, I reckon he's a good coach, though. I agree. Like, I, I just feel like he's um he's he's had a year with that group, and that's that's what he could do. And yeah. so it's it's not like us or the Knights or where you can look at it and go they didn't really get a a proper year with that coach and that system. I feel like that's why I feel like the ceilings are, but. Could be proven wrong he is a good coach he's he's um the way he turned him around the back end of 2020 was impressive actually you could really see it week to week as he's yeah. putting his system into that place
1: well he's getting more out of the you know getting more out of that team than it looks on paper i think which is the sign of a, a good coach
0: all righty so next question um so shippy mcwhippy is asking, have a chat about International Rugby Union changing the eligibility rules and Moana Pacifica and how this impacts the fight for talent. Now, there's some questions coming later about an article that came out talking about a second New Zealand NRL team. So, I might skip this one and we'll bundle them all up together and talk about, you know, the the various codes and how they're placed and what the NRL might be looking to do and tie that in. So, just remember to bring the the union side of it in with Rhyna Pacifica. Sure, Sure. yeah. So then Dean Collett um, has asked, Jesse Arthurs, why are we training another man's pup when we have promising pups of our own, Valea and Berry? He's not going to be the difference in making the eight for us, in my opinion. So why do it? Uh, And shout out to Dean, by the way, very regular sort of contributor on on Twitter and so on and a good fella.
1: So what do you reckon? Yep. Uh, well, thanks for the question, Dean. But I've got some pretty strong feelings on this. I'm a big fan of GC Arthur's end of the pickup. Um, I think he can be a huge difference for us this year, and I don't see him as a, um, you know, some guy that's just coming for depth. Or, you know, I think, and even if he is. Um, Only here for a year, which nothing is certain in rugby league. If he goes really well, enjoys his time at the club, there's certainly no guarantee of a first-grade spot for him back at the Broncos. They're super, super strong in the three-quarter line. He may end up with us longer than just next year. Um, For me, he's, I'd almost say, in my book, our best centre next year. Uh, i put him you know, given he's he's played a bit more first grade. I mean, I know a lot of people are in love with Rocco Berry. I'm yet to be convinced there, uh, even though he has a high ceiling. UNA Ken was not particularly impressed with with his games at centre uh, last year. Then you got guys like Pompey who was awful at center last year, and, you know, Violet, two games. Um yeah, and then you're sort of starting to scratch around or moving Montoya and all that sort of thing. So I honestly think that Arthurs can be our first centre pick uh, next year. I've, I've gone back through, looked at some of his uh, highlights and just a real natural footballer, someone that can put a winger away, um, which is a very, very uh, weak point for our centres. I think we had a handful of trices from our centres this year. Two of them came from just eight can catch and passes in the same game. Uh, nothing special. And... And he is a terrible try sus centre. Um, yeah, he's great anticipation, very speedy, good under the high ball, great attacking uh, with attacking kicks as well, scored several tries, um, steaming onto grubbers or bombs. Uh, yeah, I'm a really big fan of the sign. I think it can be a, a huge one for us. You, you got a take on his defence? Uh, no, nah, not really. I probably haven't watched him closely enough when he's been yeah. playing. Obviously, I don't see too many... I haven't. Uh, Dove that deep to see if his uh, misses have led to to tries, but his, his yeah. stats didn't, miss tackle stats didn't look too bad. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if you've got any insights there, mate.
0: No, I don't. But shout out to the rugby league media world as a whole, right? So if I want to assess a player, I need to see two lots of highlights. <laughs> I need to see what does he do with the ball in hand and in shape, and I also need a I need some kind of package that enables me to assess his defence, like. surely there's a market there to go and look through a player's season and look at tries he's caused and put put together a package of it um, because I'm with you. Like I did, what you did Had a look at a couple of highlights of Arthur's. He looks good, looks quick, you know, suits the game model we're going for. He's a young Kiwi-born guy. Um, You know, I'm probably like not as strongly in favour of him as you just because I don't want to spend a lot of investment in him if he's here for a year. Um, so I'd, I'd rather play a Berry and maybe a Vallea, and give them first shot. But they're going to get injured. They're going to have form dips. They're not going to play twenty six rounds. You know, you yeah. need another guy there. I just throw him in the mix, you know, and, and have him going. But uh, yeah, my question mark for all of those guys, but mostly Vallea and um, Arthur's, is going to be defence, yeah. because Vallea to me. Had a few issues defending for Redcliffe. I watched a handful of his games when he played there and I was not that impressed with his defence. Arthur's I just don't know, but he looks like he's a smaller guy, you know, for a centre probably. And um, Barry, I'm very comfortable with his physicality and his technique is just going to be positioning for him. Um, So there's a bit of that. So, yeah, I I think it's a great signing. We were sitting here, um, you, myself and Brad, having a – chat about our 2022 squad three months ago, and we were going through centre and going, gee, we're a bit skinny here, and a lot of the centre cover that we have is also wing cover, yep. and a lot of the um, wing cover is also fullback cover. So yep. it, it was just a centre short, and this is fix
1: that without costing us a lot of money. And yep. I, 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 think I think it's important. is a full option too, and yeah, he's played wing in first grade, so he's versatile, he's not a out-and-out out centre.
0: Yeah, I'll, well, let's talk a bit about that, because I think we, we have some questions about best 17 later yep. on. Um, maybe let's do the outside backs then, because I, I was sort of thinking about it. I mean, where do you put Pompey? Because you and I both think he's probably a better winger than a centre.
1: But... Yeah, I, I can't. He got 16 games this year, I believe. Yeah, and every one of them starting at centre, despite playing much better on the wing in 2020 when he got the... The chance there under Payton uh, finished the year really strongly. Uh, I thought he was incredibly poor, went backwards playing all year at center. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I can't find a spot for him at center unless, you know, it's as a fellow. Um know, Brown,
0: Brownie I, obviously thinks he's a center. So you have got um you probably got Berry and Pompey as your starting centres with
1: depending on what they can like um
0: yeah, I I reckon. Yeah, I agree. But I reckon Aikens locked into the back row now. I would say. So if yeah. you got if yeah. you go Barry Pompey Montoya and um, D W Z, so then Arthur's is sort of injury cover across all of that, and Valera's centre cover. Yeah, I mean that's probably how they're lining up in Brownie's mind. Whether yeah. whether that's right or not,
1: you know, I've I've got Arthur's as my round one centre, but. You know, obviously, you probably don't get too much uh, game time before round one to to prove that. If if Brown is is that fixated on Pompey, Pom- Peter Sullivan not being there maybe <laughs> takes some of the gloss away from from Pompey. He was his golden boy, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. interesting to see what happens with Pompey. And I got no qualms with him going back to the wing, but yeah, we haven't seen him there since 2020.
0: Well, I suppose with Walsh out those first few rounds as well, you'd think yes. others will get a get a crack somewhere, so we'll get a look at him.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it'd be interesting. Sue so does play fallback there. Um, is down the, you know, the, the obvious pick, or is that's this? what I do.
0: That's what I do, just because he can he can talk indeed. you know, like he can he'll have the clout to organise the boys in defence in a way that the rookie like Arthur's or Berry or someone yeah. is not going to be able to do. But then that that's opens up the wing pick. spot
1: for Arthur's, like you said. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or you know, or Pompey, or with Arthur's at centre, or. Or Vallejo at centre. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, options there. It's it's good to have those. But sort
0: of I mean, I Dean. Saying. Sorry, Dean. Back to your question, mate. Like, I think this chat kind of proves the point, which is, it's it's heaps better with him in the mix, right? If we didn't have him in the yeah. mix, like, and he's a first grader, like he's played first grade. If we didn't have him in the mix, it'd just all be a bit skinny out there, you know?
1: Yeah, he's not a friend. I wouldn't call him a fringe player. He played eleven games for the Broncos. I know the Broncos were pretty average, but it. That was the area of strength. I mean, he sort of lost his spot when Selwyn Cobbo, who's outstanding, uh, came into first grade and, and Katoni Stags came back from injury. So, you know, he wasn't losing out to mugs. He's, um, yeah, he's quality.
0: Yeah, and look, there's always the off
1: chance we end
0: up keeping him too.
1: Mm. Yeah, still young. Um, I like it. Uh, we, are we carrying on through our 17 while we're... While we're do you wanna, it? Or, do,
0: or do you want to wait till we get a question about the pack or something?
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's
0: do that. Let's yeah, do that. Otherwise, cool. I'll, otherwise, I'll have to think too much. Um, what, what have we got next? So, inter- so from not Grant Hall, interested to know your thoughts on the club's direction post Peter O'Sullivan. Um,
1: yeah, well, I mean, uh, a lot of people are, you know, praised as, as overall recruitment, and obviously getting Walsh was huge, getting Adam Finua-Blake was awesome. There's a few swing and a misses amongst that too. I don't, you know, I don't think. It, I think it was a pass mark, but I don't think it's the. And interesting to see what Mark Robinson said about him, perhaps not fitting in. Um, yeah, I don't know if that was the best way to go from Mark Robinson, but yeah, just interesting for him to come out and and actually say that publicly. I don't know, I don't have too many problems with him going. Other than that, we've got Peter O'Sullivan going to the new franchise who are trying to build a roster and are probably looking at a few players who are currently renting in Redcliffe for the year. Could be a bit of a a concern.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I'm probably a bit uh, warmer on Peter O'Sullivan's sort of tenure at recruitment just because of how poor our recruitment was before him for a long time. You know, it's yep. really hard to get people across. It's not like we've had Rock star coaches. It's not like we've had you know a really attractive proposition there. you've got the the travel. Um, I mean, I think something that people often forget, um, and you know it, bring, it comes home to me all the time living in Sydney. if let's say you're a kid from the the bush in Queensland, right um, and you sign for the Tigers, and so you move your family and all of that down to Sydney and you buy a house. And then the next contract negotiation rolls around and they don't want you. There are eight or nine other clubs that you can sign with and not have to sell your house and not have to pull your kids out of school and not have to do anything. They're all within an hour. They're all in Sydney, right? So when you go to the Warriors, if you have a family or have plans to have a family and all that, you've got to move to New Zealand, buy a house there, rent a house there, put your kids in school there, um And then if when it rolls around, the Warriors have got you by the balls because for you to go to another club, you've got to sell the house, pull the kids out of school, and rah, 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 right? It immediately puts you in a really um, poor bargaining position when contract negotiation comes around. So that's why players, when they come to the Warriors, always say, I want a long deal to make yep. it worth my while to do all that stuff, and I want options in my favour, again because that way you know and and so that's why we we sort of end up with these types of deals and so i i think it's a really hard recruitment job except for locally developed players where it's the flip side right because we can offer them you know stay with your family and all that stuff so when i look at it i reckon and also i would say that our development system has been crap for like 10 15 years awful awful so you look at who he's brought through, he's brought through your Rock of Berries and some of these guys, and I think he's done a reasonable job at picking the best of what we can get from Union and whatever in NZ. Um, and I think that some of the players he's brought in, um, well, it's not like absolutely top-tier stuff, it's pretty good relative to what we've been able to do before. Yeah. So I think I think we will miss it, um, And I'm more concerned aside from what what he's done and losing him, it leaves really Brownie, his mate Hodges, who he grew up with, and Cameron George, yeah. as the guys and, and Mark and the Ortex guys making the decisions. And I have nothing against any of those people individually or the roles they can do and what they can bring. Um, yeah. But, geez,
1: it was a stronger lineup with
0: Peter Sullivan in there, I reckon.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you do worry about, you know, Cameron George has been in the role for a while thinking he can pick up the slack of, of who he, um, you know, thinks is a good player to retain or recruit or let go. And, you know, he was right in amongst that Sean Johnson fiasco. And, but the positive, while Brown is the coach, I mean, he's, he's proven himself as a really good recruitment coach. The yeah. players got to Newcastle as, um, you know, one of the more remarkable recruitment drives of a couple of years that I've seen given the state that Newcastle run, um mm. I'm pretty interested to see you know Craig Hodges as a NRL assistant coach all of a sudden he's uh, landed himself a general manager of football role I don't know too much about him or his uh, qualities but yeah it's uh, you know given that that's the sort of role that guys like Phil Gould you know Brian Smith absolute veterans you know decades-long coaches, Get um, it's an interesting one.
0: Well, I mean, nothing again. I don't know much about him. I've never met him. You know, he might be a gut, and he might be. Mm. But it didn't seem like the product of a worldwide global search for the best. <laughs> <candidate>. <laughs> no,
1: and if there was a, yeah, you know, a, a second, third interview required or anything <laughs> yeah. like that.
0: And and also, um, it is definitely a step down, no matter how good he is, from Phil Gould to that guy, to Craig Hodges. Yeah. and yeah. Um, also given his history with brownie does uh, is that a package deal right so is, is essentially a whole football department now really brownie and his mate so that if we yeah. are we able to sack brownie if he doesn't perform now
1: Oh, well, exactly i mean you know that yeah, if you're general manager of football you've got a fairly big say over you know whether whether nathan brown um you know sees out the third year of his deal when we finish 14th or something um, right. or gets extended because when he manages to get us to thirteenth and eleventh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's,
0: you know. and I'm not, I'm not saying any of that because I don't think, I don't think Brown, I actually, don't think Brownie's the kind of guy who wants a job for a job's sake. I think, I don't think he's that guy at all. Um, so I'm not trying to be negative about it, but I, it, it is, you know, like if you just look at it from a governance point of view, the bloke who was assistant coach is now head of football, and his old school mates from with your head coach who was the one who brought him across in the first place, and it's probably not great governance. Now, it doesn't mean it's not going to give good results at all, but it's not great governance. Like, that kind of stuff would not go down in a, you know, let's say an ASX100 corporation, right? (laughs) Like, it's not quite how you do things. So it's a couple of eyebrows up. Um, And and can can I go a step further? Um, Sure can. It does make me wonder whether there was... Um it, there's a bit more going on there in the sense of Brownie and Hodges are like, well, Gus has left, Sully's left. You know what? Don't know yeah. how don't know how rock solid we are here either, boys. Yeah. And and you know, this makes them rock solid, right? I mean, that's just speculation, just makes me wonder. But yeah, there was a lot going on. There was a, a you know, a real big change in management, there was a real big change in recruitment direction. Around key guys like Egan and CHT, yeah, and yeah. and it wouldn't surprise me if there was conversations happening around Brownie and maybe Hodges that went, you know, look, we're happy to dig in here, but we need more control. Yeah, I it's, mean, I, I, I'm just saying it's it's a, it's a strange thing that's happened there. I think.
1: Yeah, was, and it's, you know, it's tough for them, and and they're having to juggle this whole being based in Australia thing for what's you know going to be three years by the time they get back, which is. You know, when we look at back at this in twenty years' time, it's an extraordinary chapter in a crazy pub's history. Like crazy, I know. I, I certainly don't give them enough credit on here, and you know, people like Cameron George, the, the job they do in that respect is unbelievable, and probably Brownie and 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 those sorts of guys as well. But
0: yep. yeah, agree. It, it is big. It is. It is a really big thing. It's not. It it. It's just a constant slight destabiliser to everything they do, I reckon. And so I, I, if there is ever a time to throw good
1: governance out the window and just make the decision that gets you through, you know, this is the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, and also paying, paying people's wages, I'm sure that the current setup uh, without Gould, without Peter O'Sullivan, is probably costing the club significantly less too. Good point. Good point.
0: All right, so then there's a question from Keith Whitelock um, who, uh, shout out to Keith, uh, massive contributor in the rugby league world who wants us to talk about the uh, second New Zealand team article. So flagging yep. that, we'll do that at the end. Um, Mike McCashan, the born-again warrior, asked, do we have any info or opinions on the guys who've yet to play first grade? So I'll bring that up. Hang on. So there's... Who we've got there, we're not going to give you much you mate, I'm telling you straight out, but we've got yeah. um, Junior Ratova, who is yet to play first grade, is in that top 30. Um, I don't think there are any others in the top 30 who haven't debuted. Just flicking through, but I think that's... Uh, Pride Pride, Peterson, rabati has not played first grade, uh, played for Redcliffe, so I think they're the only two in the 30. And then in development, we've got... Leighton Finau, uh, Kenekina Kepu and Valingi Kepu, so the two Kepu brothers. So um, there are posters on the NZ Warriors forum who have talked about the Kepu boys um, and who have you know rated them really highly as really good um, prop forwards or middle forwards, but I can't add to that. I think the best place to get info about those guys is probably the NZ Warriors for him from what I've seen myself. Um, Junior Ratova, I got to watch him and I paid attention to him playing for Redcliffe a couple of times. He looked a bit like a baby giraffe, you know what I mean? Like this big, big kind of imposing thing that wasn't quite in sync with with himself. He he wasn't quite in the right spots. He wasn't quite moving in the right directions and lines and that stuff. I, I think he's got... An enormous ceiling and an enormous way to go
1: to get there, is my take on him. We had uh, his highlights uh, when he was in the storm system were pretty impressive. Looked a real athlete, massive, super fast. Um, then he had a stint in Union, which was kind of derailed by Broken leg, I believe. And then he uh, lobbed with us. And, you know, it's been a bit of a road getting back on the field, I think. With yeah. With the COVID stuff not helping with that. Yeah, I, I, honestly, I, I didn't see him uh, playing any games to the Dolphins last year, so I can't really comment on on how he's progressing now. As you know, his previous uh, previous stuff looked pretty good, and maybe we'll get a chance to see him. I mean, it is an area where we're within, and an injury or two, he's probably looking at getting a call up. Um, I'd pick him sight unseen over Ed Cossey anyway at this stage. <laughs> Sorry, no, last time not saying about him.
0: From what I saw, he's he's so far from being developed and ready for first grade. It's not funny. Um, but he's in the top 30 for a reason, and that reason's either because he's just that good a prospect that we have to pay him top 30 wages to keep him around the club. And, yeah. And we're, or well, they reckon he's going to develop so fast. So, yeah. Let's Warrior's
1: see. history is littered with big wingers that have been thrown into first grade too early. Malo, Manu was thrown in far too early. Mali, you could argue, yep. uh, last year, costly. you know, they're not afraid to, and, and other clubs, if someone's got that much raw potential, they're prepared to roll the dice with them, you know, on the wing. Give them a crack. Mm.
0: Um, and so the development guys, I would say, from what I've read, not firsthand, hand. Um, there's a poster called The Cool. I think he's Manapuri Man on Twitter, but he's called The Cool on NZ Warriors Forum, um, has what I've found to be very good insights on some of these junior guys. He obviously is some involved in um, junior pathways and stuff, and he speaks highly of them, and he's right way more often than not. So um, the interesting thing about our development list, though, is there's six spots, or it might be five this year. They might have reduced it, but in any case, and we've only got three. So there's a couple more players that we can move on to development coming into next year, and have them as part of that broader squad. So there's a couple of spots there too that we can
1: fill. I'm just looking at at uh, zero tackles list, and uh, Tempo Temple is still on the list there. I don't know where he fits in.
0: No, gone, gone to Knights. He's gone is he? To yeah,
1: the he's gone. to the Knights. To the Knights, yeah. I guess with autocolo uh, there he, there was a bit of a. A cue for the hooker spot, but yeah, I really liked what I saw from him as a trialist a couple of seasons ago. Um, I'd like to see him get a run at the Knights.
0: He's he's um yeah he's an interesting one where I think we had a deal with him where we had him in our top 30 this year, but we sort of had decided that Otakolo had jumped him, so he was actually in our top 30 a few weeks ago, and then there was a press release saying he'd gone to the Knights, and then he was um you know not in the top 30 anymore so i, th- I assume that press release was right and then Autocolo came up and in so that's probably why we're actually short on development because we had to name Autocolo there to start with and he's come up so there's a couple more to come uh so that and there's i think actually now that you mention it there's about five or six blokes from um Redcliffe and from q cup who are mostly fullbacks who are on train and trial up there because we know we need fullback cover and <laughs> yeah. And so I think one's Brendan Corrigan, um, who's got some wraps on him. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, out of that process, we end up with one or two of them on development, filling up those development spots to give us uh, a fullback cover option. The development players, I think the rule is they can't be used before round 11 in uh, first grade. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. So you can you can sort of. Go by the skin of your pants for eleven rounds, and then at that point you've got that young guy who can come in and play um, first grade for you as sort of third drop fullback cover. So I think
1: there's probably one spot that's going to go there. Okay, well, hopefully that's given a tiny bit of uh, insight there. Um, who was that the that asked that one? Sorry, uh, that Chippy. was Sheppy McWhippy? Was it Chippy no, no, that was no, no. That's uh, the the eligibility rules.
0: Yeah, so no, that I, was
1: that Scott 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 was and, and that Rick.
0: was Mike Mike McCashan, the born again uh, warrior who I think is in Japan. Uh, and shout really? out to the listeners in Japan because there's quite a few actually um, really? based on the stats. Yeah, it's a bit weird. So Annette AMF asked from the UK, which Warriors player past or
1: present would you most like to invite over for Christmas lunch? Um. I did have a little think about this. I've chosen Kevin Campion, uh, one of my favourite uh, warriors to talk to, just a great bloke, loves a bear. Uh imagine, you know, over Christmas dinner, he'd be uh, just a, a good guy to have a, share some stories and have a laugh with. And also, one of my secret shames is that I'm not very good at carving meat. I imagine that Kevin Campion can just absolutely destroy a turkey or ham in, in a couple of minutes and take care of that job for me um
0: yeah camper yeah nice that's pretty good um i'd probably go i wouldn't get one of the pretty boys like your walshies and your sjs and stuff you know he'd sort of take away from (laughs) from from the the rest of us here now i would probably go i'd go to jazz because i just reckon he's funny and I, i like how he rolls uh, well maybe maybe Matt Lodge just to really spice things up. You know, like just <laughs> just really take that lunch to the next level, you know. Like this. Lodge, you, no, he sounds he sounds like a really good fellow and I'd just be really interested to meet him because there's all this sort of history and you know story there. I reckon he's probably actually just a top bloke when you sit him down these days. So I'd be quite interested to have lunch with him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good cool.
0: Um,
1: what have we got next, Matt?
0: Warriors NRL fanatics. Um Guy who does so much work on socials and stuff for the club. Shout out to you, mate! Yeah. Um, good on, mate. Which rookie do you think will have a breakout season?
1: Oh, this is easy. Ed you got? Ed Gossi. Ed <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. He got too many chances. I think last year to be to qualify as a rookie of uh, uh can, can, can his... we
0: do that? Can we can we define this
1: as like when we say rookie, we don't mean someone who's never played first yeah, okay. grade.
0: Someone
1: that's not young, the gun, Yeah. Um, well, Barry would stand out. I've I've really liked what I saw from Vaile. I hope he does develop. Um, yeah. I reckon Vaile is the like.
0: If you were sort of framing a market on this, like Rocco Berry would be paying a dollar ten to have a good year. You know. Um, I reckon Vaile is probably the good value bet like he'd be probably yeah. paying three bucks and he probably will because he's sort of just that little bit enough under the radar that he's not really regarded but um i think he's he's definitely got it certainly an attack i don't know maybe like pen Pen has only played like three four first grade games he could have a barnstorming year at prop
1: yeah he's a huge um he's got some huge upside and coming through that storm system you know if he's getting games because he's if he's not getting games, it's not because he's not good enough. I mean, that's a hell yeah. of a forward pack to try and break into. So, yeah, if you're uh, putting him in the rookie mix, I, I think he's our third best prop. Yeah, well. And um, I think he's going to have a huge, yeah, play 20 games plus if he's fit.
0: Yep, I'll probably agree, actually, because I'm, I'm not that sort of sold on Bunty. Um, you know, I, I like, I rate Bunty as a first grader, but I'm not that sold there. I'm, probably, I'd. Depends if you're calling Tohu a prop these days. But, yeah, he's he's definitely up there. Um, all right. Mike McCashin's come in again. Pick our best 17 out of those available for round one and when everyone's available. Well, yeah. big question. So we've done the back line. So we've got to do halves and props. Halves and forwards.
1: Oh, man, the halves is a tough one I've got. I don't know. I can see Taylor and Johnson starting round one, but I've <laughs> opinion wise, <laughs> opinion wise, I've got Chanel and and Johnson as my halves.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'll, I'll join the brownie pitchfork brigade if it starts with Taylor and Johnson. I just don't. I don't see that. I, I do. If Metcalf doesn't come, I do S J and C H D, same as you. And I play them left and right. Yep. And I tell. Like, which is not to say that they're always going to stay in the left and right channels but they're both going to mainly play a bit tight and I'd just open the
1: floor up to Walsh and say go and do gene don't go and do your genius things man yeah I can't wait to see Walsh uh, it, it was one of the sort of more bizarre things last year how we um, you know came in as that second receiver and was just throwing these crazy cutout balls week after week and then we barely saw it over the last couple of months of this season I'm not sure if they figured it out. Uh, opposition defences and sort of cramped up its time. You probably got more of an insight than me, but it just didn't even really seem to be that much of an option yeah. as the season wore on. But, you know, Johnson just creates that time out the back. I mean, Will Kennedy had a field day uh, with, with SJ this year. Uh, it could be a very nice little combo.
0: It's also the Johnson short kick option as well. He's got such a great short kicking oh. game. So, if they want to jam up on Walshy, he'll just put it through, you know, and and yep. it's deadly. Whereas if they if they hang back, he'll give Walshy space. It is it is potentially very dangerous. Yeah. Um. So then, okay. So back row. Uh,
1: full strength. I've got Harris. Uh, Harris
0: 13.
1: Yeah. Am I missing anyone by saying Harris Karen, Aiken?
0: No, it's probably what Brownie's going to start with. I would say. It, well, t- um, Harris isn't going to be there, but I think yeah. that's, I think that's right. Um, I'd probably go the same. And then, would you have like because w- who we're leaving out there is Murata, and Katoa. So, do you see those guys, or do you think Brownie sees those guys as
1: more middles now, or like edge edge backrest, um, but, but on, on listened bench to, rotation? I listen and you know take a fair bit of. Put a fair bit of stock into your take on that sort of thing. Um, I was very interested to hear what you had to say about you know that being the likely thing. I still see Qatar as a potential edge option, yep. Um, and maybe that versatility as a bench forward gives him a bit of an edge there. I don't know, but Murdoch Masilla really dropped off um injuries and in, in form during the year. But, yeah, I don't, I don't see him carrying both of those guys, that's for sure, in a 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with Harris out until May, I've got Jazz, my starting 13, but I don't know that Brown does. Um, I'm I'm not a real, I'm not a Serenin fan, really, based on what I saw last year. Um, I'd be disappointed to see him start 13. I just don't think he offers enough work rate and the uh, second phase-wise, that sort of thing.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, to me, the back row is sort of the hardest because we've got a lot of options there and it depends how you want to play. So, I'm, I'm like, we're obviously going to start Egan at hooker, and I would have a 14 who can play hooker, which is probably Cody where we start the year. So, that's one of my bench. And you've got two props on the bench. And I mean, it's pretty non controversial. I think that's going to be Pene and Arthur Would that be right? Um, yeah. Well, i think so, yeah. And so then you've got one more spot. So you can have an edge-back rower. Um, So if you can have an edge-back rower, to me, it's probably Katoa. And so he's probably rotating um, on, well, you can sort of take your pick there, actually, because both Karen and Aiken can play 80. Um, Or alternatively, you you could bring him in. Like, if you're starting Tohu, you could bring Katoa into 13 and play him through the middle and then shift Tohu up to prop and using it in your propping rotation, so it gets it gets quite messy around all of that. Um, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I actually struggle to see how you're going to how Murdoch Massey is going to play first grade at full strength. Yeah, I think I, the I, old man out there. I don't think he's in our four best props, and I don't think he's in our three best edge back rowers.
1: No, when he he got a couple of runs at, at mid season, at, uh, starting at prop, and he really didn't as. He was on fire scoring tries, you know, when he was on the edge coming off the bench um, Mm. earlier in the year. Um, Yeah, I don't see him as a front rower at all. Yeah, so he might be the old man out. Okay, Uh, so
0: I think we've both got the same back row. I agree with you. I play Jazz over Ciro at 13. Um, And if I'm – I mean, Ciro – I think Ciro is just a player who we don't really – He's got a lot of skills, but we don't he doesn't excel in any of them and we haven't worked out how to fit him into the jigsaw, if you know what I mean. So yep. but then there's this sort of talk around your 13 needs to be able to ball play, which I think is is true. And Jazz has some ability to ball play, but he's he's more about footwork and speed, you know, leg speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if Siro sort of gets a jump on him there because he's seen as a, a bit more of a ball player, even though he hasn't really shown it yet, you know.
1: Yeah, well, he certainly hasn't shown it. I mean, Jazz, it's, to me, um, i not talking about ability, but from what we've actually seen him put forward, Jazz is more of a creative attacking player than Siroon. Even though I know that you know Serenan has played 5-8 and has these skills, but, man, he's definitely got to show it if he's going to be a be a 13 and only run the ball four times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So props, I think, we're the same. It's Bodge, AFB, Penair, Upwire, with maybe talk, talk having a stint in there, depending on how you're going to do your back row. And then are you with me that it's Cody at 14 rather than Jazz if it comes to that, because as hooker, hooker rotation?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I much prefer uh, Cody to Jazz as a hooker because I like Jazz as a as a middle forward. If it yeah. comes down to you know, if Jazz is 14 or not in the team, I'm a little bit torn, but yeah. maybe you know, Jazz takes that fourth or that second middle forward, um, you know, spot on the bench from afar and and yeah, Togo goes up, yeah, um. Yeah, well, that's another way to do it. But you can throw it there, there is, you know, still, instead of a fire. Yeah, so
0: on that model, you'd start lodging AFB, say, and then you'd bring Pene on, move Tohu up, move Jazz on into 13 to backfill Tohu. Yeah. Um, and then you'd still be able to carry a back right. Yeah, I mean, that's another way to do it. Yeah.
1: But yeah, excited about Pene. I thought it'd be great to have, um, you know, our first rotation come on and not lose, so much like we you know kind of saw a bit when lodge and yeah. AFB were both off um yeah
0: yeah i mean but it's tohu is the key there as well like he's he's the missing ingredient in that mix because he in 2020 people were sort of saying um including me how did our forwards go off a cliff so much from 2020 into 2021 aside from you know afb and lodge and the answer was tohu just had a freaking beast of a year in 2020. Like oh, was it was just unbelievable. Best forward in the cop. Yeah, and you know he obviously had some injuries last year and bits and pieces, and probably he was never going to back up a year as good as that. And also we had some um, different roles for him in the side. But I think you know if Tohu can come back and be the twenty twenty player,
1: yeah, look out, look out. And he was he was crazy. Um, I am. We are sort of starting to run out of time, but but I did want to squeeze this one in here. Are you worried about Toru's uh, body holding up? He's BB thirty by the time the season rolls around. He's our new captain. Um, missed forty one games over the past five seasons, and that inclu- and that includes uh, the the twenty twenty year. We were so good. He played every game. So he's he's missed an average of in those other four seasons. Missed an average of ten games. Um, Coming back from an ACL at 30, are you concerned at all that he's, you know, we've only seen him have one full season for us? Yes. Uh, Like, I mean,
0: there's a lot of rumours that go around, and I don't want to give them airtime because they're just rumours. But I I, I do think there's enough – I hear enough rumours about Tohu to be – to feel like his injury situation might be a bit worse overall when you look at concussions and all the rest of it um than something so I am a bit worried that we have a lot of players in the squad at the back end of their careers um who might not do all that well off the back of another injury and towards one SJ's another um and they're key players you know so and um yeah I think there's probably five players in the in the side who are only one
1: big injury away from from pulling up stumps. Yeah. So, uh, John, just on Johnson, he's missed thirty seven games in the past five seasons, lovely. at least five each year in those five seasons. Um, yeah. If he misses five next year, I'll be doing cartwheels, mate. Just, just five. Just uh, five. Y- yeah. Yeah. Um, only ten games last year, a career low. Um, season book ended by by serious injuries. Um, yeah, it's a tough one, and, and him and, and Tofu in particular, you know, they're probably two of our maybe four most important players, probably two of our top three um, most important leaders, and our top two most experienced players, so, yeah, a bit, of, yeah. Uh, need a bit of luck in that department.
0: Yeah, but I mean, we do, but then all teams do, you know, Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of other sides who are in that bucket um, where... They've got key players who have some injury frailties and, yeah, just depends how you go. I mean, I, I think – let's talk about the naming of Toho as captain. What did, what did you think about that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with it. Um not ecstatic. Like, I mean, I'm a fan of him. Um, I don't know if he's the – I have no idea what he's like in and around the squad, but, he's you know, he's not your classic um, – like he's even more understated than Simon Mannering, who I love, by the way, and loved him as a captain. But yep. um, I think it was just, you know, almost like a default choice. You're not, I don't think Adam Fanua Blake, even though he was the, the fill-in after Toho and Roger were both out, I don't think he was quite the right guy. Uh, Johnson's going to be your a, a sort of figurehead and on-field leader anyway. I don't think he needs the captaincy as well. Um, certainly not coming back, and, and with all the history there, I don't really think there's any other option, to be honest. So yeah, I'll
0: like, with you. Like the F- candidate, F- For Noah Blake, he had that incident at Manly where he called the referee retard. and then remember yeah. when he was he was captain in the Penrith game, I think, or his on-field captain, and that's when we had like three players injured, so we had no one on the bench, or four players injured, no one on the bench. And he actually said to the ref, and it was audible on the on-field mic, um, oh, come on, ref, we've got no players on the bench, give us something. Um, <laughs> and and that's awesome. Like, I love that. But that's not how you, you
1: know. No. I don't think he needs it, and I don't think he's the right.
0: He's, he's the guy who I, who I want, you know, looking our young forwards in the eye and telling them what to do. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and SJ's the guy I want talking to the ref and talking to the media. Um, and is the guy who I want around the club when there's any disagreement or dispute. I want Tohu's the guy who's going to have the mana, the gravitas, right, to come in and go, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, like I, I think it's a bit like that. I think there's probably a few guys who are good at different things who are going to pull this together for us. Um so, yeah, Tohu makes sense, I think, because you can't have their show come straight in from nowhere and do it. No. And, and AFB's not quite the right guy. Uh, but neither is Tohu. I think it's just going to have to be shared amongst that leadership group,
1: including yeah.
0: including Wade Egan, by the way, I think, he's part of that leadership group.
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's um, you know, it has, it has been a bit of a leadership vacuum and Roger's done an amazing job in squads that probably haven't had, you know, have a lot of leadership capability in it especially since SJ left. So, yeah, I'll just have to muddle through it and hopefully grow into those roles a bit more.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Now, my time management's about as good as my podcasting, so we're, we're struggling here. Have you got another 15 in you? Can we, can we go to yeah, quarter two? Yeah,
1: yeah, let's push it out to there, mate. And, right. yeah, Should we dive into this uh, New Zealand second team scenario or have, have we got some more? To... I,
0: I think we have to do that. There's a couple I just want to touch on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be ruthless here, guys. I'm sorry, just how time's gone. So, um, Brad Inger, um, great, great contributor to the Warriors fan yeah, base.
1: Great. Um, Shout out,
0: mate. Check out Inger's League Wrap Up, wrap up if you haven't. I-, I read it all the time. It's awesome.
1: It's, um, it's actually Inger, isn't it? Rhymes with Finger. Didn't we clear that up? He cleared Jesus,
0: that up. For us. What do you mean he cleared it up? I don't, I don't know, man. All I know <laughs> is he, he, ri- he writes good stuff about the Warriors and it's, no, it's no. worth a read. Um, so, what will we be doing in CA with CHT in twenty twenty two So, I, I think we've answered that, haven't we? Really? Um, yeah. Dep- it depends on where the Metcalf comes. Yeah, that's that's the uh,
1: big one for twenty twenty two.
0: So we'll skip through that one. Um, Heart out warrior. The importance of developing Rockerberry. Big body. Very knowledgeable. I agree, dude. Nothing adds to that. I'm with you. Yeah,
1: um, these, very important. But I'm um, yeah. Again, I'm not quite. He's not quite the great white hope, I don't think, yet. I mean, he's got a lot to prove. Mate, I reckon you put him in a rooster system,
0: he'll be the next Joe If He might take, for, you know, like I reckon he's that sort of player. But okay. um, we will see Christian Hansen. Um, how are you, dude? Favourite
1: Mount Smart memory, Will? What do you got? Favourite memory of uh, the Mount Smart? Yeah, I, I, I've, I haven't been to Mount Smart that many times. Uh, 2015 was my first game. Um, and I've been there mostly in a... Media capacity a few times since as a punter, um, but my favourite would definitely be the 2018 double header. Um, yep. you know, sold out Mount Smart, incredible atmosphere. We went five and zero. There was also the Tigers Storm game, which was a classic one by Benji. Um, had a really nice uh, moment with Benji and Clary in the in the press conference too. It was just a it was um, yeah, a great day to be me and to be a Warriors fan at at Mount Smart great win over the Cowboys, um, just so much positivity around the club, I, the feeling in the box of all the long-suffering journos that go to Mount Smart every second week, with the Warriors going so well, was palpable, like, yeah, it was it was a special time and, and a great night, one of the great nights in our history, I would say. Yeah, that, mate, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, so I've only, I mean, I'm based in Sydney, so I haven't been over there very often, but I... Um, I had a boys' trip over for the Auckland Nines one year and we, we went there. It was when the Nines were still good, like it was the early days. Yep. And that was fantastic because pretty much everyone who likes league in New Zealand was there, you know, in, in Auckland yep. was there. And it was, it, I mean, the the footy was good and all that. I think Sam Tompkins and SJ were there and were great Nines players and stuff. But, um, yeah, it was more, as someone who doesn't live there, it gave me a really good insight into the culture of the sport there because... There were houses like on the walk up, where I don't know what, whether these guys lived there or what, but they basically set up beat boxes and, and um, you know decks and stuff out on the front lawn and were spinning some tunes and talking over mics about um, the you know rugby league and stuff, and it was just it was it sort of um, showed me how footy or rugby league especially integrates into Auckland culture. Um, and probably especially South Auckland culture, I would guess, based on yeah. what I know about the game. And, and I, I, yeah, I just, just got a lot out of that. So that's probably my best memory, mate, but I don't have many because I don't have the privilege of getting to Mount Smart every week or every fortnight like a lot of you dudes
1: um, can, do. Can we um, s- expect to see you at one of the six Mount Smart games we've been given at the end of yeah. the year, cover pending? Yeah, I'll be
0: at one of them, no doubt. If, awesome. if, that, if that goes through, I'll be there at one of them. Um, I don't know which one yet. Like, i probably prefer to do, like, try and plan for one later in the year because I reckon that's more solid because I'm a bit worried about what COVID will do when winter rolls around again here. So, like, I reckon you're better off in sort of September than you are in July. Um, But, yeah, I'll I'll try and plan around probably the last one, I would say, because I reckon we'll be charging for a
1: semi-spot then too. And would you be willing to book an Airbnb if Brad is going to be one of the uh, guests? Uh, I would,
0: I would be willing, especially if, um, you know, it's it's an Airbnb sort of type setup where we're all in one bunk room. That'd be ideal.
1: <laughs> Will you um, be requiring a bond from uh, from Brad and I? No,
0: not at all. Because I'll, I'll just leave the country and leave it to you boys <laughs> to sort out. Man, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Uh, <laughs> um,
1: uh, it's going to be a great occasion. Can't
0: wait. Yeah. No, but actually, can can we? Can you talk to me? Before you like, let's say you're going to Auckland for one or two or three of those. Can you let me know? Uh, oh, we'll try. We'll, we'll try and go to the same one. Um, yeah, definitely, mate. Yep. Okay. What else we got? Um, Simon Griffin. Can I just make a shout out to NZ Warriors social media team? Simon Griffin um, at rugbyforall underscore jp is a genuine Warriors fan who's actually very measured in his content. Doesn't talk a lot yeah. of crap. And he's been he's been blocked by you, and there's a viral internet campaign going on. I don't know how it started or what's going on. It's got dozens of likes, um, to for the worries to unblock him. Please unblock him. He doesn't deserve to be blocked. And like I will shower down all manner of retaliation on you if you do not unblock him within the next twenty four hours. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah whatever he said I mean he's he's obviously come a long way since then um, he's a good bloke just yeah let him back in man God. yeah or, or the power of
0: independent podcasting will, <laughs> will be turned on we could actually,
1: yeah I mean this could be the death knell for the club if, if we don't get uh, Griff unblocked um, now that is the end of the Twitter questions um I have a
0: heap of NZ Warriors questions, but they will overlap. I will run through them real quick. Yep. Um, and um, ideally, I would have sort of interneted this before, but I didn't. But here we are. So, first question. Um, and some of these are quite flattering, hence the desire to sort of bring them <laughs> in. Um, so, Who do you think will have a breakout season um, in terms of sort of clubs pushing up? We've answered that one. Um, So Alex M asks, just talk about how 2022 is our year. Well, I've already done that. We're going to finish sixth, mate. Easy. Um, (laughs) Will's got us. Will's got us us a bit further down. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and, And Will's probably been more accurate than I have over the last little while. Um, okay Play the ball wants to know Will What's your assessment of the strength of the Christchurch Local game um, And that's probably a good segue into the broader Chat that a few on this forum have asked us to have About a second New Zealand team And whether that could be based in Christchurch And how that looks
1: Yeah look I'm probably slightly uh, Biased here because I work for Canterbury Rugby League you know, Doing some media stuff but Honestly, I think it's a great local comp. Um, like any grassroots sports, particularly over here, uh, rugby league, it really battled through COVID, but it's come out the other side and uh, probably been luckier than Auckland in that regard. We've played our grand finals the last two years. There's a lot of great talent, uh, good, solid eight club comp. I think as far you know, there's some really good kids coming through, and, and we've seen guys like Jordan Rickey really go well for the Broncos. That those sort of guys. Uh, Coming through the ranks. Um, But as far as like a hardcore supporter base, I think that's a real strength of Canterbury over Wellington, in my opinion, not that I know too much about the Wellington scene, but yeah, it's just such a a good core group here. I think it's a great opportunity, just the, you know, the South Island, North Island um, break there. I think, I think if it's going to be a New Zealand team, I think Christchurch has, I don't know about the business side of it. obviously need, People investing and all that sort of thing, but from a pure rugby league um, perspective, I think that Christchurch has the edge. Uh, We've got a new covered stadium uh, coming in the next couple of years. You know, obviously that's very attractive to have football there every week, not just the Crusaders and and the Canterbury Provincial team through the year. um, It's right in the city. Uh, The Cape Town sucks to watch um, rugby and league at. It's a big oval ground and I watched I me mean, the Brad and the other boys went to the Sharks game there a couple of years ago and it was you felt like you're about two Ks away from the, the field and it's you know it's not right in the city. I just think yes, so many things point to Christchurch being a better option, bigger population. Um yeah. A lot of growth down here.
0: And I'm so, a fan of
1: it.
0: So so if if I look at it like to me, whether or not a second New Zealand team flies depends on whether or not the broadcasters will pay for it. And there was a, like, completely crazy, to me, jump in the New Zealand broadcast deal just done. So Sky and Spark, I think it's Spark TV or Spark, um, entered into a bidding war. And the rights went from somewhere between 15 and 20 million a year to somewhere between 30 and 35 million a year. Right? They nearly doubled, um, which is just insane and Mm. that tells me like if you're pulling 30 million bucks a year out of a market right you service that market with two teams because the nrl grant as keith whitelock has pointed out on his reply to some of our twitter comments is about 14 million a year so if you are pulling 30 million a year out of a market you can put two teams in that market and they're washing their face right there's no subsidy going on it's it's all good so i think i think a second new zealand team will happen. I think that's the reason why the TV deal jumped because it's actually a done deal with a broadcaster.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, there's been an amazing derby from the outset. I mean, how good would that be? Um, I think the the Warriors' lack of success generally, although people gloss over, the, you know, Dean Ritchie calling us one step above a disaster for 25 years. What about 2001 to 2011 when we were statistically? In the top four most successful teams, as far as making prelims and grand finals and stuff in the finals, anyway. Um, no, but
0: but Dean Ritchie's a really good journo man. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but 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 let me ask you this though. So if if um if there was a team because the the Achilles heel is going to be crowds, right? I don't think Christchurch or Wellington or any other place in New Zealand outside of Auckland is going to reliably get a team, especially a team that's not winning all the time you know, the, the kind of crowds that the NRL wants to aspire to, which is sort of that 15, 20K. Um, so if you could split games between those cities so that it's more of an occasion because you only get three, four, five times to see them through the year, you would think all things equal. That would drive better crowds. Do, do you think a, a Christchurch-Wellington mix would engage those two cities or is it is it just going to be a bit like, uh, well, it's not really my team then, you know? Like
1: Yeah, I, I definitely see the merit in it, but I personally I think it might dilute it a little bit. Um, you know, you don't feel like it's quite your team, particularly if it's, you know, it's Wellington, but what the um, Andrew Chalmers bid, he said, uh, he had the bid for the Orcas back in two- yeah. the mid-2000s, uh, he said, you know, in Wellington would take a few games too. Uh, Christchurch I, you know you'd get your crowds here like it, we do for Warriors games depending on how the team's going but I don't think you get that buy-in from Christchurch fans I actually think that we would get crowds comparable to Mount Smart just because the stadium is so accessible there is that rusted on league community here and I think people just get right behind it I just yeah I, that's just the feeling I have I know that does depend on how they go but it's not like you know we're getting fifteen to twenty thousand averages at Mount Smart when the Warriors aren't making finals. Yeah, but we should though. That, that should be yeah, the target. Oh, we should. Yeah. And I but you know, it's, it's gonna be a hell of a lot easier to get to the stadium in the city uh in Christchurch than it is to get to Mount Smart and back. Um
0: hell of a lot easier for Will. So if it was six <laughs> yeah. if it was six and six, right, so it was a genuine look, yeah. like you know what we are? We're the Jaffa team, right? We're, yeah. we're, we're, the, we're the not Auckland team. We're, we're the New Zealand team that's not Auckland. So Auckland, like Warriors, you can have Hamilton and North, right, and yep. we're everything else. And we're doing six in uh, in Wellington, six in Christchurch. So it's a genuine even split. It's not one with a few games chucked over there. And they called them the Southern Orcas or, you know, something else that is reflective of um, Aotearoa, you know, and, and, and was more generic like that. Do you think that could go?
1: Yeah, it could work but I mean it they are going to be based in one or the other like you know the as the, a training the, a training base yeah, yeah. And, and where everyone lives and stuff and that you know that's obviously going to take a little bit of precedence and and it'll feel more like it's yeah. that, their club it'll be but, but it could you know you've seen the AFL, it's obviously a lot more tribal they're so much better at um you know it's supported buy-in but with Hawthorne and tas and the Tasmania link like you know, it's obviously – it'd probably be more like that would be my yeah. – and that's obviously very successful. They get good crowds down in yeah, no. for that.
0: but I, I'm with you. You make the travel problem so much worse if you've got to get into a plane to fly to six-year home games, don't you? Like, it's, that's a problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a short flight. Um, and, but it's still yeah. a flight. Versus... Yeah, and it's still staying in hotels and it's still like, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I th- man, I'd, I think it'd be great um, – I probably yeah.
0: I probably put it in Christchurch as well,
1: um, just
0: because the rugby pedigree in that town as well. I think there's, you know, there's the obvious player pool through there in Union. Yeah. And the truth
1: is, if you want to really crack New Zealand, you got to pull some kids across from Union. That's what we yeah, do. and there's only five Super Rugby teams and based in New Zealand. Yeah, and that's you know, if you want to be a rugby league player, you're playing at elite level, club-wise, you're playing super, for one of those Super Rugby teams, you're playing for the Warriors. So it's not, there is a lot of real quality players that aren't getting Super Rugby contracts. And I think, you know, team-based in Christchurch, where there's a massive amount of talent coming through, Union and League. Um, yeah.
0: So so do you reckon Moana Pacifica and the rugby eligibility stuff, I mean, I, I think that is a deliberate attempt by them to head off the NRL. I think they know the NRL is coming to New Zealand. And Valandis has been keen, you know, clear about that. Abdo has been clear about that. Gus was clear about that. So I think they are trying to head us off. Um, do you
1: think it's a risk?
0: I, I mean, I've personally, I privately communicated with you about this.
1: Yeah, and we, we were too hungover to um, reply. I think it might have been around the time of the fortieth. You said,
0: you said, you said basically you didn't see it as a
1: massive risk. I think. No, um, I don't. Yeah, I'm not overly worried. Like, I mean. I look at this um, initial squad that they've got and, you know, and the gun players they've got are, uh, you know, Christian Lele, Whanau, Sekop, Kepu, you know, ex-Wallabies, and then, like, Soleimani Kata. Um, I'm sure that, that you know, we'll probably lose a few to that sort of thing, and the eligibility thing is, is a big one, um, bringing it more into line with, with what leg does. Um, allowing players to represent second-tier nations if they're not in a in the All Blacks or Wallabies or whatever, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not overly worried about it at this stage. I don't think it's. Uh, so
0: I, it's, I I am worried about it, but I'm I'm far from the ground there, you know. So take it with a grain of salt.
1: I don't. Um, I, yeah, I don't like the fact that they're playing at Mount Smart. It's obviously a slam dunk from their point of view. Um, yeah, I just. And this, uh, yeah, with all due sensitivity, I don't know that they're going to, you know, that it's not going to be like when the Auckland Warriors came into the competition. It's, you know, and I don't think that they're going to be very successful. I think they're going to come last in that comp next year by even behind the Aussie teams, to be honest. Um, Yeah. So it could be a bit of a long road. I don't think they're going to be selling out Mount Smart every week, even without the Warriors coming back next year.
0: Okay, okay. Now I'm just going to cherry pick a few questions here to close it out. Righty, who is a big contributor at NZ Warriors says, um, I would like you to talk about the evolution of the Warriors front office. They appear quite competent in the last three years and inept in previous years. What are the dynamics at play? For example, Cameron George was once a laughing stock, and is now quite respected. And you know, dot dot dot. So, Righty, I would answer that quickly by saying. Um, Peter O'Sullivan and Gus Gould added quite a bit. My concern, um, like Cameron George can sell sponsorships, right? He can do member initiatives. He needs to stay away from football decisions, right, because that's not his job. And so I think the real question about the the front... So I, I don't actually think it's a change that our front office, front office has been competent as it relates to sponsorship, membership and those things. I think they've generally... Been on a steady upward trend through that, and I think Cameron George is fine at that. It's the football stuff, right? Salary cap management, roster management, that kind of thing. Um, Cameron George is not that guy, right? And and I I hope Cameron Smith is Cameron George is smart enough to know he's not that guy. And the question now is is Hodges that guy, right? And we've talked about that. Will what, what do
1: yeah, you yeah? And well, I'd have no idea. The proof will be in the pudding, I guess. Um. Yeah, as we discussed, Cameron George has done an amazing job as, as far as the relocation to Australia. Um,
0: Absolutely amazing job on the COVID
1: and stuff. And remarkable. A, a, it's a situation that no other club CEO has had to deal with to this extent in the history of the game. But, you know, in saying that, it's also been presented to him as a problem to to solve, which he's done really well. Like you know, what if we didn't have these problems and the Warriors are still going terrible on the field, people aren't really seeing Cameron George's praises as an amazing administrator he yeah. was under the pump a bit after you know, the post-2018 decline um, and then, you know, he's, he's uh, ticked every box incredibly well with COVID, so you know, has stopped a high, a bit
0: Well just on that, there's a question here um, which I'll read out very um, carefully, because it's very fluttering. So, it says, Fonzie, <laughs> you have created a credible podcast. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever said. <laughs> um, would, would you... <laughs> I'd love to. No, sorry, this is from Gizzy Fan. You have established a credible and interesting podcast. How about attempting to get an interview with Cameron George and put forum questions to him? Uh, so, we'll actually, uh, and if anyone from the NZ Warriors Forum doesn't listen to the This Warrior's Life podcast, it's basically mine, except it doesn't have me, and it has Will, and it actually has access to people like Cameron George. So, Will interviewed Cameron George earlier this year, and I think asked the right questions that you would want to hear him asked and answered. Eddie, Eddie, so I'm no chance of getting Cameron on. The reasons I'm no chance is because I'm anonymous, and so why would you agree to talk to an anonymous person? And I don't plan to make to de-anonymise myself Um for the sake of getting Cameron George on, I also suspect the answers he would give would not really add to my store of knowledge about the Warriors, um, beyond what he's answered on Will's podcast, for example. So, Will, any chance you could get Cameron on though?
1: And yeah, that's definitely questions? that's definitely the plan for the the preseason, and he's been very accessible despite. Um, Being aware of this warrior's life and and when we're not particularly complimentary of the direction the warriors have taken in certain aspects but he's he's been very good about coming on the show and generous with his time which uh, i really appreciate and yeah we'll definitely be getting him on and i'll probably um be talking to you a bit about the sort of questions we could ask maybe we could get you um you know being being the brainier one of us to um and on an airpiece you know, telling me what to say to him and that sort of thing. Well, just
0: maybe, maybe we could like get me on the interview, and I'll just just be like, "Hey, Cam, what's going on?"
1: Or <laughs> would you? Are you happy to show him, show him your face, or will you be wearing some oh, kind God. of um, mask or
0: worries, or something like <laughs> that?
1: Um,
0: but um, but yeah, no, I mean, Will Will gets that kind of access because Will is uh, you're the NZRL's rugby league historian, like they're, you're their official historian, right?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Some might say it's a default position, but
0: um. Yeah, I mean so so Will Will is actually, you know, somebody who um formally contributes to the NZRL and to Rugby League in New Zealand and um should get access to people like Cameron George compared to an anonymous podcaster who just, you know, says what he thinks every couple of weeks. So um Hopefully that does happen, that Will gets another pre-season interview. If he does, I'm sure he will flip me the tip and I'll put a thread up on the NZ Warriors forum and we can funnel some questions to Will, um, uh, in addition to the channels he gets through his own website
1: and through his own socials. Absolutely. Oh, can I just add that if you did choose to take the route of, you know, being a rugby league journalist, broadcaster, anything like that, you would uh, quickly become the, uh, the the kingpin of... of um you know, Warriors, New Zealand, probably the NRL's um, journalism kind of sphere, I think. Um, I think
0: think our pockets are both getting full of um, salty liquid. (laughs) Um, um, I just want to touch on one more, and I can't answer this question, but I just want to acknowledge it. This is from CCES or CCs. Um, Last season, Brown switched the following players from the left-hand side to the right-hand side or vice versa and back again sometimes on numerous occasions. Montoya, Aiken, Berry, Hiku, Cosi, O'Sullivan, Nicarima, Harris, Murchi, Katoa, Benmerot, Masiya, Curran and Sirenit. Balea also played all his Q Cup on the left, but his NRL appearances were on the right. Some were forced as a result of things outside of Brown's control, but he repeatedly shot himself and the team in the foot with odd selections. Will the team be more versatile for these selections in 2022? or they go down as multiple wasted opportunities for players to develop in their preferred spots and combinations to gel. So off the top of my head, I can validate most of those, and I know this poster, and he is very accurate. Um, And that is actually quite a damning list in terms of players being shunted left and right, and people underestimate the extent to which that impacts performance, because when you're moving left and right, it means the player you're playing inside and outside of is different, and it means... Um, The way you carry the ball, the way you fend, the way you kick, all of those things is different. So um, this post, uh, I think, highlights a a genuine and probably understated concern with Brown, which was he likes to tinker. He's a tinkerer. What do you think, Will?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, he can't help the injury side of things and he got a lot of leeway because of that. But, man, he really doubled down on the whole... um, Lack of continuity but with some of the selections and you know overall and also the you know switching guys from side to side and have to agree there is a real concern and it was a lost opportunity like that there were opportunities to build combinations um kind of just throw it all out out the window really I mean we we go into next year without sort of any semblance of of combinations I don't think.
0: I I agree. So you've got either – so the pro-Brownie narrative is he pretty much wrote the year off, really, and decided to experiment, you know, make his observations of different players in different positions, different sides and so on. There's the injury bit, but then there's also the tinkering bit and there's some tinkering here. And so now he's accumulated that knowledge and he's going to bring that into next year and lock it down and go forward. Or he just doesn't understand the value of cohesion. They're the two possibilities, and I, I don't think I don't think Brownie's like sufficiently dumb
1: that he doesn't no. understand the value of cohesion. I, yeah, I mean, it's just bizarre, really, that he went to to that extent without you know to, like there wasn't. It's not like he was doing anything revolutionary either. It sort of no, no, It might no. Like change for the sake of change.
0: Yeah, I, look, it's a great point. I, I mean, my answer is I reckon Brownie wrote the year off but couldn't say it. very early on hence why Roger went home early and all of that stuff and so Walsh coming in at fullback and and all of those things so I think that the tinkering um if it was strategic we'll pay dividends next year which is back to my theme of we underperformed last year and we'll overperform next year because the tinkering is part of the learning that will be you know action next year um or it could be that Brownie's just a freaking tinkerer um, and wheels ride and recycle coaches are a waste of space and you know we're doomed to fail right i mean it could be that too
1: so yep. yeah yeah well, i now, mean the proof will be you know when he's got his best guys available consistently and whether he keeps doing it so we'll soon find out
0: now i think we have to stop um time has hit and i also have to take a slash so hmm. we're, we're probably there yep. um well, thank you very much for jumping on. And it's been a bit of a frantic podcast, actually. When we first started talking about this, just like flicking messages, I thought we'd just be sitting around having a beer and be, you know, long silences. But, you know, we, we actually do have a pretty good community of people who want to hear us talk because they're a bit weird. And, um, and they've fired in some questions. And uh, we've done our best to answer them, guys. Uh, but that's, that's all we can do for now.
1: Yeah, as, as as always, thanks to you know the Twitter community and, and NZ Warriors oh. forum, the great bunch. Um, we're lucky for their support, Fonzie. Thank you for connecting with us so much this year, and and we've thoroughly, it's been our favourite podcast to do the ones we've done with you. And yeah, yeah, same here, mate. Catch you in the in 2022. All the best, uh, Fonzie Navidad. <laughs> and, uh, have a great break, everyone.
0: Yeah, mate. Thank you again for. Um, your contribution to the, not just my pods, but to the whole Warriors life that there is um, this year, mate. And a shout out to Brad and and for his sort of contribution this year and chats too. And to everyone out there in Warriors land, uh, we'll see you next year. Fucking ready to roll. and Go the Warriors.